Hi everyone, I'm Sandy Caldwell and welcome to episode number 43 of Quilt Cabana Corner. It has been a while since I podcasted, I think maybe not since May or something. Wasn't my intention to not podcast all summer long as it never is, but um, things happen and I have three teen daughters and they're all home for the summer, so there's really not a lot of quiet time for me to sit down and record a podcast without my family members thinking that I've gone completely crazy because I stop and start and repeat myself and um, delete stuff (laughs) and then say it all again and then I like to listen to it before I go live with it. So um, it really is not conducive to try to record an episode when people are home. And I'm sure a lot of podcasters feel that way too. And summer was a quick one. We went from a very, very busy spring with our dance recitals and music school shows and all of that right into the 4th of July. And um, shortly after that, we left for a 10-day trip to Hawaii which was fantastic, definitely the highlight of the summer. We went to the island of Kauai. It is our third time, it was our third time going to Hawaii, and we brought the girls with us all three times. The first two times we went, we stayed on the island of Maui. So this time it was nice to go experience a different island, and it really is quite surprising how different, you know, each island is from from another. Um, We've also been... On one of those trips, we took a day trip to Oahu, and we've also taken a day trip to Lanai. So we've actually seen four islands. And of course, one of the many highlights for me of all those trips was going to the quilt shops that I found on the islands. And this trip was no exception. I found two really, really great ones. Um, The first one was um, Vicky's Quilt Shop, and that was located in Kapaa Town. And I ended up purchasing a quilt kit there and um, some fat quarters of Hawaiian fabric. So I spent, I think I went to that store twice. I really enjoyed it. And then the other store that I really, really loved was, um, I can't think of the name now, uh, Kapai, I'm going to mess this up, Kapai Stitchery. And that was not only a beautiful quilt shop with so many gorgeous samples hanging from the rafters and just all around. I I could have stood there for an hour just looking up and around. They had so many beautiful quilts hanging. But they also have a lot of actual stitchery, so a lot of needlepoint cross-stitch. And I did pick up two cross-stitch patterns. So those were highlights for me on the trip, among other things. Lindsay turned 15 while we were there. We went on a rafting trip, not a rafting trip, a tube trip. We we went on tubes down um, irrigation ditches in the old sugar plantation. That was really, really fun. We all had our tubes and um, we had had, like helmets that had headlights on them because going through the irrigation ditches and tunnels can be dark inside. So we had these great big headlights on our heads. And we had gloves for our hands because the walls of those irrigation tunnels uh, were a little bit sharp. So that was super, super fun. And I think I would have to say what we keep going back and talking about all the time when we talk about Kauai was the Nepali coast. 
the Nepali coast is something that cannot be seen um, except for by airplane or by boat or if you hike it and you actually have to have a permit to hike it. It's, um, I forget how many miles, 11 miles long maybe. And it's um, the part of the island that you cannot drive to at all. It's sort of just like this. If you're looking at a map of the island, it's on the, the north shore. Um, and it's just the most stunning, spectacular, beautiful scenery I've ever seen. We did it by boat, which I would highly recommend because if you're hiking it, you're on the coast and you're not really looking at it and enjoying it. And I think by helicopter would be too fast. You'd be flying over it too quickly. So by boat was perfect. We left um, from Hanalei Bay, another gorgeous area. Um, it was just so spectacular. I would love to go again. I hope someday I do get to go again. We talk about it a lot. Um, I don't know. We seem to have all left our hearts in, in Hawaii. But anyways, um, so that was a great trip. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about it, but it was fun. And that pretty much wrapped up our summer. Uh, we were just, it was a good summer. We went to the beach. We had friends over to swim. Um, it was good. It was good. And now we're into fall and everyone's busy. Amanda's a senior this year, so we've just completed her college applications. She's applying to four schools early action. So all of her deadlines are coming up November 1st and November 15th. So we've done our part and now it's kind of up to the guidance counselor to send the transcripts and her letters of recommendation and whatnot. So I'm not really good with having it out of my hands. I would like to be the one who sends all those things so that I know it got done <laughs> and got done on time, if you know what I mean. So um, I'm just kind of sweating that out. Amanda's not sweating it out, but I am. And uh, Lindsay's a sophomore. She's very busy with her studies and her first experiences with AP classes. She's in AP history, which is a two-year program, and it's really involved. It's a lot of work, so she's feeling the effects of a lot of work. She wrapped up last school year not in a great situation. She had fainted and hit her head in her bedroom, and as a consequence, she ended up with seven staples in her head and a concussion. So her last month of school was tiring and difficult for her, took a lot out of her, took a lot out of me. Um, but she, it took her, I would say maybe six weeks to recover from that. And the only, um, the only side effect that she still has from that concussion is uh, motion sickness, which is odd. She'd never had it before. It was a little bit of a problem in Hawaii, but we had some prescription patches and stuff for her to wear. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things when, I guess when you hit your head hard enough and you shake your brain a little bit um you don't really know what's gonna happen <laughs> after that so um, we're grateful that that's the only thing she's left with um concussions are a scary and complicated thing as i'm sure most a lot of you probably already know so um so now we're in new school year and it's good and quote cabana patterns is going well um still selling on craftsy and quilt woman and i have um block coming out in 100 blocks magazine in their volume 13 volume 12 volume 12 uh i did have something in volume 11 i've got something in volume 12 i have submitted for volume 13 waiting to hear on that and i also have a project 
coming out in uh, Quilter's World in the spring issue. So I'll remind you all to take a look at that when the spring issue comes out, which seems like a really far away time. So <laughs> that won't be for a while. And just listening back, I totally realized that I forgot to say that Leah is doing well too. <laughs> Leah's in eighth grade this year and um, her whole heart is really in the dance studio. She's still dancing and loving it and this year she's actually at the dance studio three nights a week and one of those nights um, she's there for like almost four hours so she is uh, really very much looking forward she's on the dance team and the dance team we're all going to Disney World in March for a long weekend and some of us are making that long weekend a little longer and uh, she will be dancing with her group in downtown Disney so we're all looking forward to that. Oh, and Greg's doing well too. So there you have it. The whole Caldwell family catch up um, <laughs> in one short segment of this podcast. Anywho, so um, what I'm working on currently are some handmade items, not patterns, but items that are already made for a craft fair that I vend at the first weekend in December. It's a town-wide um, event for us. It's called Christmas on the Common and it starts with a parade that all the kids are in and then there's shows, little shows at the high school all day long. Um, the high school jazz band plays, Leah's dance studio dances, uh, many other dance studios dance as well. Um, Amanda has a, a very nice boyfriend. His name is Dan and he's got a Beatles tribute band called Four in a Row and uh, they're getting pretty popular they have lots of paying gigs they've done some um, rehearsal dinners for weddings and graduation parties and the fall festivals around here and also a big concert on the Plymouth waterfront they opened for uh, another band so they play as well um, and it's a fun day and then in the uh, auditorium of the high school are all the craft vendors and last year was the first time that I was a vendor at this event. I wasn't sure how it was going to go because I was mostly there selling patterns and some quilting notions. And I wasn't sure how much how my, how much money I'd make in sales on, on that type of a thing versus items that were already made. Just because you know you're not vending at a quilt show. You know, a lot of people might not be interested in quilt patterns, but um, I did find a lot of people uh, were interested. A lot of people were interested in learning how to sew. And um, the kids were very interested. What I had made was um, a bunch of frozen themed makeup bags and all the little girls were interested in those. So those all sold. So this year I decided that I would try to split my table in half and have half of it be the patterns, some notions, and the other half be handmade goods just as a way to um, use up. all. I've got all this fabric from the comic show vending that I've also been doing. So. I have a, a good selection going right now already made of pillowcases, tote bags, I'm going to make some more makeup bags, and uh, baby bibs. And of course with the Star Wars movie coming out in December, I feel that the Star Wars theme will be big, so I do have plenty of Star Wars themed items, so we'll see how that goes. I made decent money last year, it was fun, the only thing that was difficult for me was that I missed Amanda playing in the jazz band because 
her jazz band went on at the exact time that the craft fair was ending and I had to be there breaking down my stuff. I did have Lindsay sit at the table for me while I went in to see Leah dance, so I'll have to work something something like that out again. Of course, Amanda has not let me forget that I missed her performance, so <laughs> I might have to work a little extra hard so I can get into both kids' performances um, this year. And Lindsay was more than happy to sit at the table and sell things for me while I did that. And she did a great job. So that will be Christmas on the Common coming up. In addition to the items that I already mentioned that I have for handmade things to sell, I also am working on some baby play mats. I'm hoping to go with at least two, one boy one and one girl one. I'm working on the ball of the um the baby boy one now, and I'm using Missouri Quilt Company's window pane charm disappearing nine patch tutorial, which I've used before. I'm, I'm particularly frustrated with it though this time. And it's it's not the tutorial I'm frustrated with, um, it's more the pre-cuts. I had ordered this pre-cut pack, and it's Riley Blake, which I absolutely adore Riley Blake fabrics. Those, I'd have to say those fabrics are, are always my favorite. Um, but these, these five-inch um, charm squares are just, they're not all the same size. And I know we've kind of gone through this before with pre-cuts and... It's a problem with pre-cuts, but this time it just seems to be a bigger problem for me. So I'm having to do a lot of trimming down of the blocks and um, I have the top all done. It actually looks really cute and uh, I'm just not enthralled. So I think that for the baby girl playmat, I'm not going to use the window pane tutorial. I might just do a regular disappearing nine patch or I may just put the charms um, just in rows. The, the fabric is so pretty, kind of kind of speaks for itself. It doesn't really need much. Maybe I'll double border it and add some applique flowers or something and uh, make it really cute. So I'm, I feel myself getting interested in making more baby items to sell on Craftsy and Etsy and such. Um, the bibs are a lot of fun and I did order a snap setter and some plastic snaps to put on these bibs because I remember when I was a young mother with really young kids, I could not stand Velcro closures on my bibs. Always just felt like even though I closed them before I put them in the wash, they just stuck to everything. And over time, of course, they do lose their stickiness. The bibs that I also like too are the over the head ones. Those are good, except the problem with those is when the bib is covered with food and you have to go get it off of your child, a lot of that food ends up in their hair, <laughs> which isn't very fun for either the child or the mummy. So I think the snaps are the best thing. And I took um, Robin Lawrence's advice and went with the plastic snap setter from Cam. And I got a, a variety pack from Amazon. I think it was $24. It came with the snap setter in like a rainbow of colors of, of snaps. I have all that stuff sitting in my craft room. I have not put the snaps on the bibs that I've made yet. I am going to practice on just regular fabric before I put it on the bibs, but um, I just haven't done it because I haven't felt like looking through the instructions and actually there are no written instructions. You're directed to a video on YouTube, which is good. You get to visually see how it's done, but um, you know, it's sitting there. I will get to it before Christmas on the common for sure. And, um, yeah, so I'm working on that. I also have on Craftsy, if you haven't been to my pattern store on Craftsy and you're looking for a cute fall mug rug, 
I did sort of a, a redo or version two of the three jacks pattern and have a really cute three jacks mug rug pattern out there and it's only two dollars and um, it's super fun if you're looking for a quick gift to send off to someone or you're looking for a mug rug of your own and I also had the um, version two of sail away on there with a sail away summer one and I will be putting up a Christmas one shortly so stay tuned for that um, and also while I'm talking about that there are many 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 really cute holiday fusible wall hanging and table runner patterns in the Craftsy store and on my website store and on Etsy so if you're looking for a fun fast fusible whimsical um, easy project to make whether to gift or to decorate your own home check those patterns out um, I think that you'll really like them and then let me know and send me some pictures if you are uh, making any of them okay so let's see let's go on to uh, quilt guild my quilt guild I belong to is called quilters connection it was it's in Watertown it has had always well I think it I think before it was in Watertown it might have been in Arlington or something somewhere else but it for the last many years it's been in Watertown and recently this year it has moved to Waltham and the new venue is Bentley University which is Greg's alma mater and a very beautiful beautiful quintessential New England campus it's gorgeous there so September was the first quilt guild meeting with new members night and show and tell and all of that and crackers and cheese and a cake and I forgot to put this on the blog but um, guess whose fall mini quilt was the picture on the cake mine mine <laughs> So now, of course, I'll tell you that my mother is the one who ordered the cake, <laughs> uh, and she sent me some pictures of it. I gotta put those on the blog now that I think of it. Um, but I missed it. I missed all of that. The girls had something going on. Um, it was a Monday, and Quilt Guild for me is an hour and 20 minute drive on the highway in rush hour, so oftentimes I don't get there. But I did get there this past Monday night, and the speaker was Ann Shaw someone I had never heard of, but she models her work after Ruth McDowell, someone who we've probably all heard of. Um, and Ruth was actually a member of our guild as well. So um, Anne's work has a lot to do with applique, applique but it's actually, it's pieced. It's, um, she takes photographs. I'm trying to think of how to explain this the best way. She takes hundreds and hundreds of photographs of things like flowers or animals. And then she studies those photographs. And on her computer, she uh, will blow up the picture and then she will break it up into piecing sections and use freezer paper templates. But Anne's whole thing is using um, really interesting large-scale prints as the background to these things. So for instance, she's got a gorgeous sunflower applique type looking thing, but really when you look at it, it's been pieced. And the piece work is amazing, uh, as are all of Ruth McDowell's pieces. So um, I think really with Anne's work, it's the fabrics that she chooses and the backgrounds that she puts on these. So she, her website is on my blog, and I'll put it on there again. Uh, I think it's called AnnShawQuilting.com and her work is really really interesting and fun and bright and beautiful 
and she does this amazing uh, lecture and slideshow. She also had done two days of workshops at our guild, but I did not get to attend those. Um, but the way our guild works is the teacher comes and will teach a Saturday workshop, a Sunday workshop, and then give a lecture or presentation on Monday night. And um, oftentimes when these speakers come, they don't talk about the workshop very much. They don't talk about their process. So if you weren't one of the 50 people or 30 people who made it into the workshop, because our guild was quite large, um, almost 300 people, you don't really get to experience that speaker's process and creative thinking. And sometimes they'll do a slideshow, but the slideshow, um, you know, might show like their earlier quilts or how they got into quilting and you are, find yourself wanting more. Well, show us how you did that. Tell us how you did that. Um, Anne was different. She did show us and she did tell us. And I think that we all left there feeling like, hey, I think I could go home and try this. So I did purchase a pattern there, um, which I'm actually going to give the pattern to Amanda for Christmas and then I'm going to make it for her. Um, it's of a rooster or chicken, um, and when we were in Kauai, if you've ever been there, the place is completely overrun with chickens, and um, she found every chicken endearing over there, <laughs> wanted to bring one home, just couldn't get enough, so um, I did get this chicken wall hanging, it's really cute, it's going to be super cute with um, if I make some good fabric choices, and hopefully I will. Um, but yeah, her her lecture was really, really great. So that being said, I'm hoping to make more of the meetings. It's usually once a month. I was a little bit sad to hear, though, our guild will not have an annual quilt show this year. Where they're in a new venue and everything is kind of new and we're still feeling our way around the place. They just felt like maybe this was a good year to sort of not have one, collect ourselves, and then plan for a really good one next year. Uh, the place where we used to have the quilt show did not have enough space to have vendors and stuff. So we we're always kind of missing that piece of it. And I know for me, when I go to quilt show, quilt show, yes, I want to see the quilts, but I really want to see the vendors because I am a gadget girl till the very end. So I always felt like our shows were missing that. Um, we do have a boutique where members make things and sell things. And I did participate in the boutique last year. I made some good money there. I was figuring that whatever I didn't sell this year at Christmas on the Common, I would then put those items into the boutique. But no quilt show equals no boutique either. So that's a little bit, a little bit of a bummer. But whatever, we shall persevere, right? Um, put the stuff away for the following year, I guess, or sell it online. And speaking of selling online, that kind of leads right into, did you know that Amazon now has a handmade marketplace? I had heard that Amazon was going to have this handmade marketplace sort of as a competition to Etsy. And I had received an email from them saying was I interested in putting some items in their handmade marketplace. And then I forgot about that email for a while until I came across uh, an article, a blog article by Abby Glassenberg who was discussing the differences between Etsy and Amazon Handmade. Now, I think that most of us would agree when we heard this, we were all like, uh-oh, that's going to be the end of Etsy because Amazon is just so darn huge. And um, 
Abby wrote this really interesting article that kind of makes me now think that the opposite is true and that people will see the benefit of Etsy, even though right now the selling community of Etsy is uh, in a twitch, shall we say. Etsy started out with just handmade items and now they have allowed um, like reselling to take place. So for instance, if someone wanted to purchase a handmade, um, you know, princessy looking headband that I'm selling, when they look and type in the search for, you know, princess headband or whatever, it comes up with all these cheaply manufactured items that are being resold, uh, probably made in places like China or whatever. Um, and it really has taken away from the the sales of people who are truly hand making these items and people who really hope to find a home on Etsy. Uh, we no longer get people even looking at our stuff because the whole site is so inundated with this reselling of stuff, manufactured things. And I don't know why Etsy continues to allow it, although of course it would be a bottom line issue, of course, um, that's what everything is, but it's disappointing. Um, a lot of people dropped Etsy over it and have gone to other places um, like Artfire, what have you. So uh, for me, I'm really not selling handmade stuff per se very much. I'm really selling patterns. So uh, the place that's been great for me has been Craftsy. I've had great success on Craftsy. I love it there. They don't charge any fees. The only fees um, that I ever get charged are from PayPal for people, you know, for processing the payments. So for me, that works. But I do once in a while have a baby play mat or something that I'd like to stick up there um, on Etsy and sell. And uh, this has kind of renewed my hope for Etsy. I'm going to actually, um, I'm just going to steal, not steal, but read to you from Abby's blog post. And you can go to Abby's blog, which is uh, whilesheknaps.com, and you can read this article for yourself. But it, it's talking about... Um, the user interface and uh, the ease of getting photos up there and stuff and just the differences between Etsy and Amazon. So mostly I'm just going to focus on telling you about the fee difference. Um, and as far as the user interface goes, basically Etsy is uh, simpler and more basic to use. You can upload five photos, pick the feature photo, all the stuff. And um, I think on Amazon you're only allowed like one photo and they tell you how to photograph it, what your background has to be. It's very particular. Um, you know, which we want to make things. We're, we want to photograph them because we want to sell them. But really and truly, we want to be making things. That's what we do. That's what our business is. I don't want to fuss, you know, too much about whether my background is white, gray, or beige. Um, I just want to get a picture of my product out there. And... Um, yeah, really, the background shouldn't matter very much. If, if what you've made is beautiful and nice, that will be seen in the photo. Of course, we want, you know, we don't want any blurry photos and stuff like that. But anyways, and um, you also on Amazon, things like you can't update shipping information on all your listings across the board. It's one by one. So it's, it's not particularly user friendly for a handmade seller to go on there and list their items. But let's take a look at the fees for a minute. 
In this, again, I'm reading right from Abby's blog. She says, Etsy now looks really affordable too. Handmade at Amazon takes a 12% fee on each sale assessed on the sale price plus shipping. Note that this fee is 15% for sellers elsewhere on Amazon, and they will begin charging handmade sellers $40 a month beginning in August of 2016, although there are no listing fees. Well, I should hope not. $40 a month for a handmade small potatoes uh, seller is way too much. Um, okay, so she goes on to say Etsy's 20 cent listing fee and a 3.5% transaction fee is more affordable. For example, it costs a seller $5.76 to sell a $40 ceramic mug with $8 shipping on handmade at Amazon, but just $1.60 to sell the same mug on Etsy, and this is not including the $40 monthly fee that hasn't been implemented yet. Again, Etsy's focus on helping tiny businesses to be profitable shines through. And then she also says, for artisans who make items to order, which is a big part of Etsy, Etsy's payment structure is more favorable as well. When a buyer places a custom order on Etsy, the seller gets the money right away. Amazon holds the money until the item is shipped, meaning you're not able to use it to buy supplies. So she goes on, and, and as always, Abby's articles are excellent. Um, but that being said, I don't think that I will be participating in the handmade on Amazon uh, for those reasons. I mean, $40 a month is, is too much money just to list your items somewhere. So anyway, I did think that that was interesting. Want to pass that along to you in case you were thinking of listing your items on Amazon where everything seems so great and wonderful all the time. But um, I think when you take it apart step by step, you'll see that actually Etsy comes out um, way ahead for the handmade seller. The last thing that I want to talk about today is my review of Pat Delaney's craftsy class called Raising the Bar Quilting Linear Spaces. Over the summer, uh, Pat had contacted me and asked if I would like to take her craftsy class and review it on the blog and podcast. And um, I knew right away that that was something I wanted to do because I admire Pat's work greatly. And she's not only a guild member, but a friend of mine as well. She lives in a neighboring town, and uh, I just, I love her work. She has won numerous awards, including first place for traditionally peace quilts at International Quilt Festival. And um, she just knows so much about so many areas of quilting, and her work is just so beautiful. She works out of a studio in her home called Crabtree Lane Studio. And if you're fortunate to take a class with her there, the studio is in the basement of her home. And um, along with your workshop and class, you get to enjoy a gourmet lunch prepared by her husband. So who also is very handy in helping uh, quilters carry in their sewing machines and fabric and notions and whatnot. Everything that, you know, we all have to bring to a class. So... Uh, I watched the class. It's called, again, it's called um, Raising the Bar, Quilting Linear Spaces. And the subject of the class is learning how to plan and quilt bar spaces, which if you don't know what those are, they're like the long, narrow spaces on your quilt. Pat talks about how to mark the areas, what to use to mark the areas, um, how to work with a grid, and how to plan your quilting. She 
includes instruction on, on dividing the quilt areas and then using like feathers and fill designs, geometric designs, and multi-pass designs to fill the spaces up. And uh, first she demonstrates them on a tablet so you can see her draw them out and then she stitches them out um, which you get to see in the class on the class on the screen and um, she does loops and curves crescents flying geese and triangles and all sorts of variations on these and when you use them correctly on your quilt your quilt can look like a masterpiece <laughs> um, I hadn't really thought about ever doing like a whole cloth quilt piece but she has one in the class and it's so beautiful with all of these different fill designs and the way that she's divided up the quilt and really thought it through and planned on, on what designs would fit best where. And uh, she makes it all look very, very easy. And it's not easy, you do have to practice. But just seeing her draw the stuff out and then just the ease of which you can execute these designs, and they're not difficult designs, but when you put several of them together on one quilt, it really has a stunning effect. Um, and there's just a lot of room for play and for making up your own variations as well. She also covers quilt basics, um, and she kind of takes the mystery out of tension issues and potential problems, and uh, you know how she feels about ripping stitches out, which pretty much she never rips stitches out. We all know how hard those are to get them out. So it's kind of nice to know that, um, you know, if you're, if you're um, facing a situation where you definitely have to rip out, that's one thing. But just to rip out because you messed up one little part of the design, you can always just go over it. And, you know, we always go back to if you can't see it from a galloping horse, forget about it. That's the advice that I like to go with. It's very freeing. <laughs> um, it was a really organized class. Um, there was definitely enough time spent on each lesson. And um, the class was $19.99 on sale. I think it might be $19.99 on sale again now. Or at least I think we've all gotten something in our email saying pick a class for $19.99. I didn't check today, but the, maybe the class is normally $30. But um, it will definitely be money well spent. I think the instructions in dividing up the project and learning how to mark lines on the quilt is really invaluable. Um, she's got these really lovely single line designs and um, different techniques again for like quilting triangles and flying geese, things that you might not have even thought about stitching out on your quilt and they look beautiful with each variation. Um, and I like the idea that a lot of them are multi-pass motifs. So, you know, you go down one side, you come back, you do the other, um, makes it go faster. So I, I was really happy for Pat that she's having a chance to share her knowledge. Again, her work is amazing. And um, the Craftsy class was run much like her, a class at her home, which I did take a year or two ago. And it was a free motion class and we learned how to do feathers and you learn how to do feathers in this video as well. Um, she did have this really awesome grid that I, I forget where she said she ordered it from. I think it was the stencil company. And it kind of, um, it was a grid that was like half inch squares and one inch squares. Really perfect for those linear spaces. She also mentioned, just so you know, she uses a Microtech Sharp needle number 70 with Aurifil. And she likes to lower her foot pressure a little bit. Um, and these, these designs are not only for traditional quilts, but they're for the modern quilts as well. 
I think it's a real jewel of a class and I think that you will enjoy it as well so you might want to give that a try she also had a silk fabric quilt that was just gorgeous too I haven't really quilted with silk before but after seeing that I might just give it a try and um, she also has some interesting information on blocking quilts so I think that that is about it for today um, I also just wanted to mention, I know you've probably heard this before, but we talk about the Twilter group quite often. And the Twilters have traditionally been on Twitter, which was where it all started for us, a little community of people who encouraged each other and, um, you know, became much more than just people who tweet about quilts. It's really become a community. And we felt that some people were being left out because they don't, they're not on Twitter. So instead they were on Facebook and now the Twilters have a group on Facebook. It's a closed group. So if you look it up, you have to ask to be, to join it. Um, and it's pretty open. I don't think they've said no to anyone. And it's just a nice place to bounce ideas off of each other for uh, borders and to share quilt information. The podcasters and bloggers share their posts there as well. And, um, it's just a very caring community that, like I said, it's become more than just about the quilts. It's really about the people and um, getting to know each other. And uh, several of them have met up at various quilt shows. So it's just fantastic. So look for the Twilters group. It's T-W-I-L-T-E-R-S. Okay, so I didn't get to any of the magazine stuff that I wanted to talk about. I have been inundated with quilt magazines lately. And I had caught up on all of them, so I'll have to save that for next time. Uh, but again, thank you for listening. Sorry that it took me so long to get a podcast up, um, especially over those summer months. And I hope that you'll join me again. Hopefully I will get one up um, before several months <laughs> has gone by. I would love to know, though, uh, if, you would, if there's something that you would like me to cover in the, co- in the podcast aside from my own updates and uh, different news around the industry. I would love for you to leave comments and ask a question. I frequently hear on my blog from uh, Linda Hicks and Lori Kay and the uber, uber, uber talented Jermaine Wong, who's a member of my quilt guild, as well as uh, Sandy from New York and Gretchen uh, and Jackie. But I would love to hear from more of you and uh, again I invite you to drop me a line leave me a comment let me know what you're thinking let me know if you have a question let me know if you'd like me to find something out about quilting and I will do all of the above so uh, you can find me at the following email address so sandy8 s-e-w-s-a-n-d-i 8 as in the number 8 at uh, yahoo.com you can also find me on my blog at www.quiltcadanapatterns.com forward slash blog. You can leave a comment on my actual website, and uh, that is at www.quiltcadanapatterns.com. You can leave a message for me on the Podbean site, which is quiltcabanacorner.podbean.com. And you can also find me on Twitter as Quilt Cabana, Instagram as Quilt Cabana, and Facebook as Quilt Cabana Patterns, and I think that's it, and that's plenty, and uh, I am on Instagram 
I mostly just follow whoever my kids follow and a couple of cruelty people because I'm still sort of feeling my way with Instagram. So, um, I'm like I said, I'm Quilt Cabana on there. Find me and I'll follow you too. And um, I think I think that's really it now. So have a wonderful day. Go quilt something fun, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.